welcome, 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 welcome to Made Men Mondays. This is your man, DB, transformed from trauma victim into a victor over trauma and your emotional responsive coach. You are now inside the Made Men Project where every Monday we are bringing you an empowering person or message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today, family. The crazy thing is a lot of people, a lot of men, if I'm just speaking for myself, don't really start thinking about the effect of hyper-masculinity and false definitions of what it means to be a man until you get married or until you have kids. Because then, all of a sudden, you have something to protect. Nate Parker. My guest today is Juan Jones, a proud and loving husband, father, and the director of operations for Camelot Education located on the south side of Chicago. In this episode, Juan shares his maturation and journey through manhood that is filled with much insight and many valuable lessons. Throughout his journey, Juan was able to gain clarity around his values and truths and define and live by his own standard of masculinity. Make sure you share this podcast with others who you think can benefit from it. Just copy and paste the link. You can also view the interview on my YouTube channel at Derek Butler Empowers. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, click the bell, and share. Remember, subscribe to the Made Men Project and leave us a rating and review. Alright family, let's get it. Hey yo fellas, we, we made men. We made men. Try to believe that within. I just wanna know you all, but tell me you a man. Tell me you're a man. So many men are being crushed. Societal demands to be tough. Yes, you guess you are enough. I just wanna be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a man. Yes, you are a man. I'm right beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. You're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your stars. No, you're not so. Let me inspire you, empower you, be Society may want to see you fall, you got another brother to call So many men are being crushed, societal demands to be tough Yes you, yes you are enough Don't bluff, okay I can't relate to you brother cause you're a Yes you are a Hey, I'm here my brother, you know I love you Yes you, yes you are enough I just wanna be a good man I can't relate to you brother cause you're a Yes you are a all right, all right, all right. This is the Made Man's Podcast. You're rocking out with your man, DB, where we're talking to motivated, accessible, disciplined, and expressive men, and we are dismantling society's false sense of masculinity. We are here with the MMP Project to change the male narrative. So many men are being crushed under the societal demands to be tough, denying the kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any turn of hurt and pain, and it's time to change that narrative. I have with me today a brother from another mother, my man, my partner, Juan Jones, who is the director of operations for the Camelot Education in the south side of Chicago. My brother, Juan, I'm grateful and happy to have you on here, brother. How are you? I'm good, brother, man. How are you? Man, I'm good, brother. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. All right. Well, um, you said Juan Jones, me and Derek go back to uh, college back at 01, 02. Yeah. Been brothers ever since, man. It was one of those instant things where it just clicked. Um, when you see something, as they say, when you you know what you're looking at, I, I, I kind of knew just from the gate, just from how he was moving conversations. And it was just one of those things where is 
Um, it, literally, it literally took my focus off of being away from family to joining a new family right away. Absolutely. And, and then just from there, just through the years, man, we just always stayed in contact. We can go from anywhere from a year to two years. We don't holler at each other, but when we talk, it's nothing, it's nothing missed. The conversation is just one of those things that just continue on. And just throughout life, no matter where I've been, I'm currently in Chicago, um, working in education, on, as he said, on the south side of Chicago. Um, been here for six years. And it's just one of those things where even when we talk, call, it's nothing missed. No, no space nor time um, ever affects uh, what we got going on or whether he's moving throughout the country in different places, whether it be just from whatever he has going on, where it's just nothing misses. We don't miss a beat. And, and just even from now, and just through the conversation, I've been, you know, watching the podcast, catching up on it. So when a phone call came in, it just felt like it was naturally the thing to do for us. So, but for me, man, um, director of operations, I've uh, been out here in Chicago and it's, it's a blessing. It's taught me something to where is you never really judge a book by its cover. Um, you, you hear so many things about Chicago. Um, for me, I actually accepted the job before I actually even came to Chicago. Uh, one of my other, uh, another good friend of mine, um, we started off in, in, in Pennsylvania and me and him just do having conversations that, hey man, if any of us, if either me or him ever got an opportunity uh, at anything in regards to work, we would put each other on. And it was one of those things where he got put on first, he made the phone call and I was like, done deal. You know, I, I spoke to the wife about it and she was like, let's do it. And that was kind of, for me, the motivation. I felt like all of the stars aligned for it to happen. And it was the, the natural progression for us to do it. And I look up and we've been here six years. So um, a, a lot of more ups than downs, a lot of blessings have come through this. Um, the young people of Chicago have taught me a lot. Um, the news portrays what it portrays in regards to it, but it's so much more winning than losing going on. Although the wins are significant, there's a lot more wins that's, that's taking place. Hey man, that's great, man. I love that perspective, man. And you're right, brother. When we hear Chicago, man, we hear about so much death, the crime. We hear about the South Side. And I, and I know I called you a couple of times. Hey, yo, bro, you good? Everything all right? You say, yo, D, it's not what they portray it to be. It's not what we always see in the media, man. So I'm glad you're able to be on here. We're going to shed some light into that. We're going to dig a little deeper into what's actually going on on the ground level versus what we're seeing in the news and everything. And just your progression from where you were to where you are now, man. So first thing I want to talk to you about, man, and, 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 and for me, like we had these conversations, man. So I know where you're coming from and the stock and what you bring to the table. But as a boy, who and what was your example of a man? Um, my, my, my father, my father and my uncle. Um, it, it was just one of those things for me. Um, they checked every box. Like I, I was never the guy where I could ever say, oh, well, my dad didn't show me this or somebody didn't show me this. I was getting lessons even when I didn't understand, nor did I want them. Um, there's still things to this day that I look up and I'm going through something or something's happening and I'm prepared for it. And I really don't know why. And then when I kind of start back to think and look back, I'd be like, that's what he meant. Or at times where uh, with me having two young sons, where they're doing things and they're at that point in that stage and I'm giving them uh, little jewels and little things and trying to get at them. And I'm like, where did that even come from? And I start to think, I'd be like, my, my dad, 
with my yeah. uncle or with this when it comes to certain stuff. So yeah. they just checked every box for me, man. Um, and literally through every stage from from sports to life to uh, relationships to everything that I kind of for everything that I am, they they just checked every box for me. They they helped me through examples, whether uh, whether good or bad. You know, my dad always said, um, you know, take everything that I have to give to you, and if you're able to use it, use it. And the things you're not, you know, you just toss it to the side. You know, wow. and it was just it was just always that, you know. But his whole mindset was, I'm gonna give you everything I got. Everything ain't gonna work. It's your job to decide what you can apply and what you can't sort of thing. So that's just kind of where my mindset has been. And I felt like the minute that I understood where he was, where he was coming from with that, I feel like was the moment that I understood my father better and our relationship has been amazing. Wow. That's, yo, that's great. That's powerful right there, man. I, I started laughing as you were talking because I remember your pops and I remember they <laughs> popped me on with the bucket smooth. and yeah, I remember. I started laughing. You low and yeah, 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 man. But that's great, man. So when you were coming up, when you were a boy, you know, what did being a man mean to you? When you hear that word man and manhood, what did that represent for you? It's, it's, it's funny that you say that because my dad's famous line is handle your business. Son, yeah. handle, your, handle your business. Yeah. And I used to always like, you know, what does that necessarily mean? But it's just um, being able to be there for yourself. And what I mean by that is um, my dad would always say when it came down to finances, when it came down to anything, he would always say, I got to handle my business because I can't pick up the phone and call nobody to, to take care of nothing for me. I got to be that for me. And it was for me, it was be, not having to pick up the phone to call dad was like, was my thing. Almost like that independence of, yeah. I felt confident enough to be able to, to know that I could take care of whatever it is that I had to do. And that was just the thing. Um, I, I don't feel as though at this stage now with, 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 uh, with, with me um, in regards to being where I'm at age wise and being married and those certain things, I don't feel as though that being a man is not needing anybody anymore. It's knowing how to go to people and knowing to being able to build up that, um, that, that, that family base of being able to, 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 to be okay with that. Because I, I was raised, I, I'm a prideful person, but I'm at this point and comfortable now where I don't feel ashamed asking somebody for help. Um, I need it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel as though society always kind of builds up that, as you said, that masculinity part. So whereas, yeah. man, you don't need nobody for nothing. And it's this, you you ain't gonna get far. I mean, I don't care how much success you have, you can't run a company by yourself. You can't do certain things by yourself. I mean, you, you, you can, but how successful is that? And is that even sustainable? You know, and I feel like it's the same thing with, with life. You know, that's a dark space to be in. I don't need anybody, you know, yeah. dark space, you know. And um, I, I never, uh, I'm thankful that I got out of that at an early age. You know, I was kind of running around and I felt angry when I was younger. And when I was in that, in that space, when I was, when I had that mindset, of, I don't need nobody, I'm going to do this. And I got money in and it's like, you get a couple of dollars and then you realize, what does it matter? You know, you got yeah. some money. And it's like, you ain't got nobody to spend it with or you ain't got nobody to enjoy it with. I felt like getting money with people felt way better. Yo. You know, 
and I'm only equating it to money is because when you speak to a lot of people, when you say manhood, a lot of them will equate finances to manhood, you know, because I tell people all the time, there's a lot of great fathers out in the world who don't have the finances, who bring way more to the table than the man who has kids, but he's financially secure. And, you know, he spent his life acquiring those assets, but missed out on everything else. He can't have a honest conversation. It doesn't understand when something is bothering his kids. So I felt like I, when I look at it and I look at me, um, I think the minute that I understood that I needed help, I felt like was, was the moment that I felt as though I made that transition to manhood, as opposed to me ever hitting like a dollar amount or saying that I want to, oh, if I can get $250,000 in my account, I'll be a man, you know, sort of a thing. I don't think that was it. I, I, I'm glad that I kind of figured that out, um, that you can't equate manhood into your success and or into your arrival, you know. Mm. Man, that's powerful, brother. I, I I I dig that, man, and that really stands out to me because so many times, man, we're taught that or we are it's, it's delivered to us that to be a man means you're financially secure. You don't you don't have to ask nobody for nothing. You tough. You can do it on your own, especially inside the black community. You know what I mean? It's like yo, you know, being a man and you ain't asking for you ask you ain't asking mommy and daddy for anything. You ain't asking for help. You got to man up and tough it up and suck it up and do it on your own. So. Being at the fact that you said that you realized you arrived in manhood when you was able to ask for help, what are some ways that that mindset hindered you when you were younger? That I don't need nobody. I don't. I shouldn't ask for help. I don't. You know, I should be able to handle it on my own. What are some ways that hindered you? Um, I I think just just going through things, just in general. Um, just it could be something as simple as uh having some some car issues, you know, something as simple. And I'll say that as, uh, here it is, I got a car, I'm riding around my car making noise rather than me being able to pick up the phone or call somebody and say, you know, riding around um, and, my, and something ain't right. Rather than me just going to the individuals that I know that had the answer, you know, I might've been mad at my dad about something or he might've got at me. And I called myself and my dad always say, uh, his one of his famous sayings growing up was, you cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. And, I was like the infamous guy. That was like my thing. I get upset and I'm like, I don't need nobody. I ain't, you know, and then you ride around and then it's, and then it ends up being an issue where my car breaks down or my car stopped and I don't have the money to get the car fixed. And then my dad gets wind or whatever the case is may be. And then he's like, come over. And the, the, the lesson that I was running from, I end up having to, to, to still deal with that lesson and then end up, happened to pretty much have that conversation with well I gotta get my car fixed dad so you know and then yeah, get my right, right and then you go from there and then you realize man I'm you know I'm tripping had I sat down took the the you know the information that he had to give uh had that conversation and then I would have still ended up with my car fixed and then we would have had this conversation and it would have went a lot differently. And yeah. it's just as you go through life as as they say you know you you get tired of bumping your head. Yeah. You know it's there's nothing wrong with it when you when it's there's a time frame for it you know it's just like we was having a conversation earlier in regards to like football there was a time for us to do our thing and right 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 tackled and doing all that stuff now it's at this point in time now and if you're getting tackled at this point in life something's wrong <laughs> and i feel like it's the same thing you know bumping your head don't feel the same as it did uh you know when we were younger it, it just don't feel the same it doesn't have the same effects <laughs> it's a lot harder um, <laughs> 
even when I see friends now to when we have conversations with them and they still bumping their head from stuff that when we was, you know, 21, 22 years old and 19, 20, what have you and those things. And it's just like, you see the effects of it. It lasts a lot longer. And it's just like, <laughs> why are you, what are you doing? You yeah, know? So, so, you know, just to kind of put it, put that into, into context, into perspective, it, it allows me to be a little, to be a lot more patient with my, with my kids, you know, um, with understanding that I have to allow them to make mistakes in order to learn from it. I can't just all of a sudden say, um, this is okay, or okay. this is wrong. I have to allow you to make those mistakes because if I don't, you're not going to learn from it, you know, and it has to affect you in some way, shape, form or fashion. And that was the blessing. I, I, I feel as though my, the men in my family allowed me to make mistakes, mm. knowing that they could, that they could fix it. Then it got to the point to where I no longer wanted to make those same mistakes, nor did I had to. Then I realized those mistakes weren't mistakes. They were choices. Yeah. That's the thing. Choices, man. That's huge. When you were, you know, and you know, this is a, a tough topic for many men, but for you, when it came to your emotions coming up and even where you are now, what was harder for you? Or did you struggle with either? Was it identifying what you feel? processing through what you feel or communicating what you feel what was what was more challenging for you i think they were one and the same for me okay got you um, and i say that because uh i never uh i never cried in front of people mm. um i never it was tough for me to to tell to say to somebody that you wronged me um mm. or i felt wrong I, I really couldn't do that and my, my natural and just just being honest, the environment that I grew up in and the way that I was raised, um, it was easier for me to say, let's just fight and then figure it out. You know what I'm saying? It was just one of those things where I just rather say, look, let's just fight and then we can figure it out. So at least I could justify to myself why I, why I felt the way that I felt or what happened or even if it got out that some individual wronged me i'm like well we fought about it though so it is what it is you know what i'm saying because it was almost like i couldn't be seen kicking it with you and we cool knowing that this had happened and that was just it yeah. you know and to the point to where is um my wife has like changed my total helped me rewire my whole mindset and approach to to a lot of things because even still, you know, as I was, you know, getting older and just with looking at stuff and viewing things, it, my, my, my mentality was still not necessarily on that same type line, but just in the natural progression of I'm never going in this place again. I would just cut stuff off and be like, oh, that's what they, okay, cool. I'm never going there again or I'm doing that as opposed to, no, you need to say something and then you, and then you make your decision based off of because you never know. What you want, you may get if you just ask for it, mm. you know, and it just kind of got down to that point of like, all right. And then I tried it. And then I'm like, hey, I do feel better. And it would just end up being a lot less stress with stuff. And I feel like it was the same thing with friendships. I nearly uh, lost friendships because I felt as though something happened. I, I get upset. I wouldn't necessarily say anything to the individual and I would just be upset. And it would be easier for me to just remove myself from the situation. And then when you finally um, end up getting face to face with that individual, 
you really don't even remember what the hell you were mad about or, the, or what you were mad about doesn't even hold any significance anymore. It's not, it's, it's irrelevant. And the only thing that in the end that you end up dealing with is, is lost time that you can't get back, you know? So I, I, I had to look at them all in, in regards to one the same. I struggle with being able to communicate, to deal with the emotions because I felt like if I had to deal with whatever was going on, it was just going to make me feel in a way that I just was not accustomed to. It wasn't something that I was accustomed to. It was easy for me to just throw it to the back burner and keep it moving. Yeah, so basically what I'm hearing is, man, you you would go back. You were comfortable. It was comfortable to express anger, and that's more socially acceptable. Oh, yeah. It was, it was comfortable for you as a as a boy to fight. That's that's socially acceptable for to say, yo, you hurt me. Yeah. I don't like what you said to me. In sports, but what I will say is I feel as though to kind of correlate uh, from I feel as though when we were coming up to now was uh, we had outlets. Yeah, and football is the, is 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 the sort of a, is a game, and especially with the the with the way that we played the game and the way that we approached the game was, I could literally go out there for two hours a day, and take out that frustration to be able to uh, have an outlet of getting that anger and frustration out because sports became that way for me. I was kind of able to take that and say, I'm mad about something or something's bothering me. I can go out there and try to run somebody over or try to score a touchdown or something to kind of fill the void of whatever I was going on, as opposed to the young people now. And especially being me being here in Chicago, they don't have an outlet of that or some friends that they can go and kind of kick it and play video games with. They're just in a different space. So it's like, where does that, where does that gratification of being able to have an outlet come from? and different things like they, they don't have it. So naturally, um, the same things that we spoke about, that anger and aggression, that fighting. So if you, if you look at a situation to where it's, if we got into a fight, um, our mentality wasn't necessarily to go and grab a gun or go and do this or do that to where it's for them. The gun is almost like the sport in regards to them being yeah. able to do it. And, and I, I would hate to say it, but it's, it naturally leads into the natural progression of, um, you end up shooting somebody and you killing somebody as opposed to it and not necessarily understanding why, you know, and, and me and my people always say, even here, we say in regards to Chicago, um, the biggest thing that I feel as though that these young people need, it ain't necessarily money. It ain't necessarily resources. They need to learn how to communicate. Like literally I sit in, um, and just with dealing with the youth and just in, in regards to just certain situations and, some of my students that graduated that are older now, they still call and we have conversations. And literally it's like, they don't know how to communicate through relationships, through work, through you name it. They, they don't know how to communicate. So naturally they do what we did, but it's just the consequences for them are a lot more or higher, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> more deadlier because of the environment that they, that they deal with. So it's it's just kind of to kind of bring it full circle and into that thing is they don't they don't have there's no outlets for them there's no yeah they, there's no outlets you know okay. and at least ours ours is a structured outlet if you think about football it's like you out on the field there's lines there's rules and you got to take out that frustration within those lines so when you take someone who does not necessarily have an outlet and they have the world is their lines and you're dealing with uh, 
neighborhood rules and neighborhood societies and there's a certain way that things have to go you know that that would be dangerous that's a that's a dangerous that's a dangerous mix bro you you hit on something brother like you know and and I didn't correlate it. I didn't bring it together like you put a you painted a picture together when you were talking about us when we were coming up and what our outlets when we were frustrated when we were mad we were sad we couldn't go off and communicate that we couldn't tell somebody yo what you said upset me what you said hurt me what you said made me feel embarrassed so what we happened is we had that stuff on the football field and we played with so much aggression and rage and we were trying to crack everything that was moving and that was an outlet for that was for a way for us to escape the things that we were feeling for me a way for me to escape my childhood to escape the trauma i've been through so now what you're saying is these kids are not really having that they're not out there on the football fields they're out there in the streets where they have they have neighborhood norms that they have to follow they it's not no structure and for them smacking somebody cracking somebody tapping somebody throwing a touchdown passes pulling the trigger and really what they're trying to do at that time is it's all coming down to escaping emotions. It all comes down to not being a deal with the more. So the way I'm going to deal with this anger or escape from feeling angry is to kill this person. That's going to make me feel better. Regardless, football was a coping skill for us. And right now what I'm hearing is that these young people, their coping skill is I had to take this person out. That's the only way that I'm going to feel better. And, and they realize that people actually actually see them so it was almost like when you look at and it was a term that i learned uh some years back uh was um the looking it was like the looking glass self it was like yeah, you yeah. see me you see it goes you see me as therefore i am something along those lines yeah and i feel like it was the same thing for us with football it was like if somebody always telling you yo you a beast man yo you you a problem they can't guard you naturally you wanted to go out and live up to that to that name it was yo you you gonna go out you gonna run for a, a buck 50 today three touchdowns you're gonna do this so naturally that's the way that you felt as though that you were supposed to be anything other than that you felt like you let everybody down you know and it was and i feel like it's the same thing when it comes to uh to young people man especially young young people of color and especially young males um when a neighborhood is telling you yo you a killer you 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 yo you you the shooter yo you ain't let nobody come out here and do that Naturally, you feel as though you got to live up to that. So anytime that somebody wrongs you or you feel as though somebody disrespected you or somebody did something um, against that, that imaginary thing that you're upholding, you naturally, you feel as though you, you, you got to react to it. You know, not necessarily viewing or looking at any of the consequences because to you, the people that you're trying to uphold this to, that you feel as though as family are hurt people too. Yeah. You know, yeah. they hurt people too. And maybe their trauma was not necessarily, or their issue was not having somebody to give them an opportunity. So naturally they feel as though they need to make sure that, that you don't get yours, mm. you know? So it's, it's, it's a lot to it, man. We could, we can go on to that forever. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to it. When, when, when it comes to you where you're at now with your emotions, how, and, and one thing I, I want to say about you, you spoke about your lovely wife and, you know, one thing I admired about you, brother, is when I first met you back in 2001, young kid, you said you've been with your lady for like since middle school. Yeah. And, and I remember we would be out. Now we're in college and we go to the clubs, we out chasing women, we do Brother, you was always, now nah, I'm good. And women come up to you like, oh, I like your muscles. I'm like, now nah, I'm good. Like, chill. Like, and it's one of them things I never understood 
how you can do that. How you was like, I found my queen. This is what I want. And one thing about you that I admire, brother, is that you've been faithful. You've been there. You've been down for this one woman for forever since I met you, bro. And that's a powerful thing because for someone like me, I struggle in that area. I struggle with not having enough, never being satisfied, always wanting, you know what I'm saying, making bad choices and things like that, regardless of what relationships I am. That's why I'm going through a divorce now. So it was one of them things, man, like I, I admire that about you, that you knew what you wanted and you were disciplined enough to stay focused and make that work. So being that she was such a great person in your life and really helped you to, you know, deal with these emotions, what, how do you deal with your emotions now? How do you communicate with, you know, what you're feeling now when it comes to your wife, when it comes to your children? Um, just remembering what I didn't like as a kid coming up when it came to certain things. Um, and just wanting, wanting to do things differently, more so than I want to be stubborn. Um, but naturally, you know me, I'm, a, I'm naturally a stubborn individual. I feel like I've gotten better right. as I've gotten a little bit older. Um, right. Definitely credit to my wife and to my kids, because I feel as though it's not fair to cheat them out of something because of my, uh, my issues. Um, and I try to think about stuff. I, I feel as though I still at times would make the wrong decision, but I feel like I'm able to, I, I notice it quicker. It doesn't take me as long to realize even when you write, I handled it wrong or yeah. I, my approach is different. And I get more so upset with myself over my mental um, thoughts than actually what I say at times. It's just like if I, the fact that I've allowed the kind of certain thoughts that even kind of creep into my mind as opposed yeah. to me knowing better, you know? So right. Right. Um, for me, it's just one of those things of just wanting better, man. I, I want my, my sons to be um, way better, not necessarily versions of me, just the best versions of themselves with, with me being able to give them those opportunities as opposed to it, because they, they're not, they're not growing up in the environment that I grew up in and they don't have to necessarily prove it. I felt like our, our way we grew up, you just had to handle business. It was just, yeah. even if you listen to most people, think about most people's nicknames, mm -hmm. you received your nickname based off of something that you've done or something yeah. that you were known for, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, that's just the thing. So if you really think about it, it was just like, it was just that, you know, it was like your nickname yeah. was a correlation to something that you stood for, something that you did. So for, for me, it's we laugh and I look at my kids at times and I had to catch myself and my wife always reminds me, I'm like, man, why he, why my son or why he ain't doing this and that? She'd be like, yo, they're not, they didn't come up like, like us or they didn't come right. up the way that you did and the things you had to do. You know, I was the youngest of pretty much four. You know, I had an older brother, but I got two cousins that are brothers. <clears throat> so I was always the youngest trying to survive with them whether it be in sports video games um right you name it i got to see everything firsthand and you had to survive if you got a chance to get on a court and get a shot you better make it mm -hmm. as opposed to if you i put my son in that same situation he missed a shot it's just like, oh i'll try to make the next yeah. one yeah. as opposed to like no you don't understand you just missed your opportunity and it meant that much but for them it's like nah, i'm cool it's all right i ain't worried about it yeah just a different you know it's just a different thing and i have to understand that you can take different there's different paths to get to the destination you don't necessarily have to take the same path that i took so with understanding that you you know you become okay with it absolutely what what is one piece of advice you will give to men 
of, of any age regarding masculinity and manhood? Um, that you have to set your own standard for what that means. Uh, and I say that because it's the same thing with success. For so many years, America has set the success that you had to have, a, a, you had to be married, uh, uh, what was it, 2.5 kids, a dog, and a white yeah, picket fence, yeah. you know? And that wasn't necessarily sustainable for, uh, for, for a lot of black America and just for people in general based off of um, uh, redlining where they wasn't allowing certain people to live in certain areas and different things where they weren't allowing you to get housing loans and just a lot of different stuff. So it's like, here it is, you're trying to trace a dream that's not attainable. And I feel like it's the same thing when it comes to this masculinity thing. You can't allow what somebody else went through to dictate what you're trying to be. Or most of the people that are that are set this standard at masculinity, they can't even uphold it. They just kind of putting on this front of what they're trying to do, and it ain't even necessarily realistic. So it's like you out here chasing the ghost, you know, and you got to set the, the standard and the tone for you. Because if you're allowing others to set the tone for your masculinity, to me, that's the least masculine thing that you could ever do at this stage in life is be out here trying to uh, live up to another man's vision if it's not your father of what they of what it is that you could do. And even at this stage, you gotta be man enough to realize that I respect that, but that ain't, you know, that ain't that ain't what I'm I'm going with this. So that ain't what I'm trying to do, you know. So I think you, you touched on a good point. There's not a one size fit all when it comes to manhood and masculinity. Mm. There's certain traits that males that ma I'm not going to say men. There's certain traits that males display. There's certain characteristics that males display. Certain values, but what I may value as a man may not be the same thing you value as a man. What makes me a man might be the same thing that makes you a man. And not to mention, and and just to, to put it out there, um, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that your masculinity has nothing to do with your sexuality. Whoo! And it's like we used to be in the mindset of like, man, you got to you got to be you got to have this amount of women. You got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. You got to be doing this. You got to be doing that. And as you get older, you realize that ain't got nothing to do with nothing like that. Ain't that ain't it. That ain't that ain't it. You know, so it's like the correlation of when you come up, you, you it's easy for you to um, to attach the two. It was almost. Like almost if it was one, if it's one word, you know, and that's not it. You know, I, I feel like I tell people all the time, man, it's honorable and it's, it's tough. It's honorable to work two jobs and to take care of your family and to to try to hold it down and to come home every day and to, to be in a mix with your family. I feel as though it's easier to man, you know, just to kind of allow them to figure it out, you know, and, and not necessarily look at the ramifications of what comes along with that, of having, um, and, and to even be, I know a lot of people that are home that are not present. You know, I think it's just being home and being present and yeah. being in the, in, in the mix of not necessarily um, living a life of, it's your job to do this to the woman and it's your job to do this and it's my job to just go out into the world and do this and do that. I feel like that doesn't exist too. They said that, you know, you allow society to paint this picture 
And it's not that. There's days where my wife has to be the Swiss Army knife. There's days I got to be the Swiss Army knife. There's days we both got to be Swiss Army knives to make this thing work. Um, and with, with even with me, and even, you know, when there's days where I'm going through it or, you know, my mentals is mixed up through certain stuff. And then she kind of comes in and fills in the void. And I feel like I'm vice versa. So it's, it's, it's no, it's no, like you said, there's, it's no one-stop shop to it. I feel like it's an ever-evolving thing because your life can change. And then naturally you may have to kind of switch gears into what it is that you thought that, that, that the situation was, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, it's bigger than just the ideal or the thoughts that other people put out there into the world. And for you to try to grab them to, to try to put these badges on and make yourself this. And it ain't, it's not that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I believe it starts anywhere in figuring out what you what it, what it is to you, what, what is important to you, and what you value in this life. And that's what, to me, that's what's going to make you the man that you want to be, not what someone else should be or what else, someone else thinks you should be. Real quick, man, and this is this is the last question I'm going to ask you. And, I, and, and once again, knowing you, brother, I know this is something that's used to you, but what type of legacy are you leaving in this world, bro? Um, For me... Uh, the biggest thing is, and it's something, it's a, man, I got blessed. I, I tell people, um, when I came to Chicago, a uh, gentleman that I used to work for, an older gentleman, and man, he put these two words, um, that he would always talk about, uh, was uh, lineage and legacy. Mm. And he was saying the, the best thing that you can do in the world, he was saying is have some kids. Um, he was like, if you're married, stay married. He said, have some kids, stay married, and raise your kids to to um, to to do the best they can in this world. Mm-hmm. And I kind of at the time I was just like, you know, when I was like, oh okay, at the time I had just I only had my oldest son, and then I ended up having my youngest son. And it seemed as that more so of what he was saying was kind of coming to fruition. So for me, it's it's just raising raising my kids to be happy individuals and to be. Um, you know, and for them to live a meaningful life. I feel as though for me, for the most part, um, the bond and the relationship that I have with, with people like you mm-hmm. is, it'll speak for itself. You know, I, I feel as though if you have to, in a sense, speak for yourself, then you did something wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I feel like for me, it's, it's more important that the people that I, I love and care about know that I love and care about them. The relationships that I have that were built uh, will stand the test of time. Yeah. And I feel like for me, that's that's pretty much it. It's I, I feel like for the most part, I've always been a simple dude. Yeah. And I just kind of allow it to, you know, allow things to, to speak for themselves, man. You know, because as they say, when, when when our time is up here, you can't speak at your own funeral. <laughs> you, know? you know, so so, so the ones yeah. that you, you know, so for the people that you have and that you've been around, you know, they'll they'll do the justifications for you. Yes, you know, they are, for the ones that, and it's earned, and you know, people sitting back there in the back or whatever case, and, and when, you, when your time is up, they're going to they gonna speak the truth and people going to know what they're saying is, is accurate. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with it, man. You know, it's, at this point in time, it's just it's about my kids, man. It's, it's, about, it's, it's about my two boys. So if I'm able to live through them or people look at them in X amount of years and say, man, them kids are raised right. Like one, right, you know, right, right. Yeah, man, that's that's great, man. That's powerful. Listen, brother, 
from my heart to yours, man, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate you really opening up and helping me dismantle this false sense of masculinity, man, and speaking to, you know, you know what it is that, you know, what, what being a man is. And it's not what society thinks it is. It's not what, you know, this narrative that's going up there right now, man. So I appreciate you shedding some light on it, man. I love you, brother. I, I Always, likewise. And your family and your beautiful children coming up, man. And you take care of yourself, brother. And I'll talk with you soon, man. All right, brother. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.